Welcome to the Leverage Ladies Podcast with Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. Each episode of this show, we will take on conversations about the biggest assets you have working for you, your team members. We will hear stories and conversations from successful business leaders, authors, and executives, and learn how they have used leverage to grow and expand to the next level. If you are looking to grow or expand your business, this is the show for you. Now, let's talk leverage. Welcome to The Leverage Ladies. This is a podcast where we have inside conversations with top experts and business owners about their journey to finding leverage, growing their organization, and achieving work-life balance. These are perspectives and stories you will not hear anywhere else. We are your hosts, Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. We are business owners and business partners who've committed to leveraging our way to freedom so that we can achieve financial peace and have a life by design. As lifelong learners who run multiple organizations, we know that you can achieve more by focusing on building organizational support and leverage. To go along with these interviews each week, we are putting together a roadmap for you to follow along as you are implementing leverage into your business. Our speakers will be sharing documents and resources with you as well. Be sure to listen to the end every week to find out where you can find each week's piece of the roadmap. We highly encourage you to check out the resources. Now let's get started. Today on the show, we're excited to have Kellyanne Harris. Kellyanne Harris is a real estate leader, entrepreneur, sports mama, investor and trailblazer who's on a mission to provide massive opportunities for her partners. Kellyanne is going to share her expertise on team building with leverage, their story, some advice, and about how to onboard talent, both in office and virtual. Hi, Kellyanne. Welcome to the Leverage Ladies. Hi. Thank you, Linda and Shannon, for having me on here today. You get the most kudos for Sports Mama because I know that's baseball, and my happiest day of my life was when press quit baseball. Oh my God, it's like eternity for every game. (laughs) Well, we're also basketball. We overlap. So we are like 12 months a year, almost every single day, it feels like sometimes. And are you traveling everywhere? Yes. And we're on multiple teams. I love it though, but I was an athlete. So I really like doing all that kind of stuff. Love it. Well, kudos to you. Let's talk about what business you're running so the audience can kind of understand a little bit more. Let's see. I am an operating partner of a couple Keller Williams franchises and investor in another. We have also a team that, say I've been in real estate 13 years and did the solo journey for a while and then started the team when we came over to KW. So we've operated that team for seven or eight years. And now we are in my hometown of Owensboro, Kentucky. In 21, we did 325 homes in that city of 100,000 people. And then we, two years ago, expanded that footprint into neighboring cities, Evansville, Indiana, Bowling Green, Kentucky, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And we just recently went to Nashville, Tennessee and expanding. So we're expanding a lot of our models and principles and tools and helping other agents and mega agents scale their businesses with the things that helped us succeed in our town. I also have a property management company. And we manage over 450 residential and apartment complexes and I'm an investor and entrepreneur. And I don't know, the list could go on, Linda, but I will stop there. <laughs> and we all know that you cannot do that much stuff without the right who's. So right. tell us a little bit about what does your team look like? And does one team serve all of that or are they siloed? Does each team have their own team of who's that help do all that? Yeah, we're in the process. So a lot of the services that the agents 
get from our expansion team is now we actually vision platform, which will have two different sectors of it. It'll have a brokerage service platform to cater to independent agents and brokerages. And then we have a another side of that that's expansion. So yes and no, is it different? I'm really running probably three different companies. So I'm running a property management company because it has different ownership, but it is within the brokerage, but there's nothing in the brokerage really other than holding the licenses for my leasing agents. And then the market centers, the brokerages are ran differently. And then the vision is ran differently. But a lot of the leaders interlap. There's about three or four of them that are in every one of those entities. And those are like my chief of staff, my director of operations, the rest of them, they're all running independently, but upper management is pretty much all the same. Hey, Linda, I will say this too. Kellyanne has been extremely generous and given us a copy of her work chart. So as she lays it out, because every week we hear something different, Kellyanne started a new business. Then we hear how successful her businesses are. So like, it's hard to grasp all of those moving pieces that you have going on. So sharing that org chart really shows us a little bit about how they all flow. And we're going to be offering that to all of our listeners as a value add to download from our site. That'll be something that's uploaded and you guys can take a look at it. Thank you for sharing that, Kellyanne, because I know your org chart moves every day probably as well too. As you're It does. But I think the people are choosing to make it move. Like my people are now. I had the vision and now we are the land of entrepreneurship. And so a lot of them have excelled in their genius seats and they want to go add this or add that. Because my thing is, I want them to make as much income as possible under our umbrella. But to do that, we have to grow and they have to think outside the box and become creative of how to push our services or add to our teammates or whatever that looks like. And so I give them the freedom to kind of invent their own thing under our umbrella while at the same time I'm investing in their coaching and all that kind of stuff and giving them cyber backers and offshore help to help them honestly have raises and cut cost in other ways. When you brought virtual talent on, was that the initial thought for you? Tell me how many virtual people do you have in your organization? I know we have maybe a dozen between all entities. And that's growing because now we are starting to scale our services side and we have other teams joining us and we need more work. I've learned a lot through that. I've got some things I'm going to change in 2023 when I add a cyber backer to our network. But I wanted to do that one budget reasons. But I'll be honest, my head leadership staff, they would rather have a virtual assistant than someone right beside them because they'll work overtime. They'll work eight or nine hour days. They are very efficient. They don't have a, you got a minute, you got a minute. So it's a lot more efficient to take someone out of the office, especially in transaction management or marketing that's doing a lot of task-based things so that the agents aren't bugging the staff. So really the staff that is on site is more of the got a minute and assistant kind of staff versus the task-oriented staff that have 80 tasks to get done in three hours. And so it's made us more efficient. They want to work. They're willing to work. The cyberbacker teams are just so grateful. And it's just a different environment. And it honestly, what I also saw with my girls was burnout. You know, they work for me. (laughs) 
And I like to go and create all these great ideas. But I noticed that like I was having a really hard time keeping really good staff and keeping really good people to work for me. I had all these big goals and I wanted to pay them all this big money. But at the end of the day, they were like miserable in some of their jobs because of all the stuff that they had to do. And it was like the moment we hired virtual assistant help, it changed the game for them. They started loving their job. They started flourishing because they learned leverage and they just have a better work environment. They know how to only do the high level tasks and they give the rest of the 10 or $12 an hour work to the virtual assistant. So it helped the culture of keeping good talent long-term. Did the virtual assistants report to somebody on your leadership team and yep. the most amount of virtual people reporting to your in-person people? Does somebody have two? And do they get to decide when they need that virtual help or do you decide? I mean, I'm an open book, so they know the money. They know the money coming in and coming out. A lot of our things are because of how our models worked. We want it to be like break even among what we're billing our expansion teams. And so the great thing is, is they have to justify that pay because I either have to bill for another cyberbacker or I have to go out and find another team to justify a cost. So they usually will argue their case of why this team needs to get more because maybe they're pending 20 homes a month and they need another cyberbacker. So the, the cost is justifiable. As for who I do have a head cyberbacker, that's Noli, and he is over all of them. And he kind of does some leading stuff for them, like some vision retreat. They kind of recreate a lot of the culture that we've created. But then Amber is my head cyberbacker trainer for all of the cyberbackers. And she oversees most all of them. They still report to some of the other leaders, but she does the clock in, clock out and make sure they're working their hours. And she really analyzes their workflow and when they're overwhelmed or why we're not hitting deadlines and Then going back to the leaders like, hey, this location probably needs more help. This is what we're going to do. But we could split that cost with this company. The good thing is if we have so many companies, we can split up some of the workloads and share. What are the tasks that you found having the virtual assistants do has been the most dollar productive or the biggest return for you? Probably transaction management. Well, I don't know. I mean, all of them. I mean, we have them do all kinds of things. But I would say transaction management because I saw that that was just such a hard position to hire because the agents want instant gratification and they want their client reached out 24-7. So like having someone on call like that during normal work hours. TCs, we literally have one on-site TC. The rest are all virtual assistants. Do your TCs that are virtual, do they handle the client communication piece, the phone calls? Or just the admin? Well, they do texting. They don't typically pick up the phone. If they pick up the phone, it's usually the on-site TC. And then my on-site TC, she manages all of that. And so she sees that there's a phone call that needs to be picked up. She's the one dialing. But Denise or one of my TCs, there may be three people on that file, but they're all communicating through the same phone number. The person doesn't realize that it's not Mercedes. Gotcha. What's the few tasks that you found that you've learned over the time is things you got to have an in-person person for. So what hasn't worked for us is the ISA department because we're in the state of Kentucky and the accent is so thick here. <laughs> Man, I wish oh, it would work. I, <laughs> I know. What's funny is I laugh about it because 
they're going to work circles around my people that I would employ here. They will work harder. But her first I say his name was Jesus. And I had to tell him, like, you cannot name yourself Jesus. I don't know. He might get people's attention better. So he was like, okay, my middle name's Romeo. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's any better. <laughs> oh my anyway. God. Now talk about setting high expectations. <laughs> so I tried like three and to be transparent, we struggled with it. We got a lot of people saying, Kelly, are you spamming me? Because you know, small town, I'm not going to lose my clients. But they're like, why do you have Jesus call me, Kelly? <laughs> I was like, well, I thought you need some Jesus today. <laughs> it became a big joke, but I only let that happen for like two months. And then it just kind of got like, okay, this is not working here. I think it would work in a different cultural town, but we just aren't that. And so it just didn't work for us. So that did not work. I do think we will go to an SEO specialist though, that doesn't talk to my consumer here in the state of Kentucky. And then... I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, honestly, it all works. All of it works. What all are they doing for you? I know we talked about transaction management. What else do you have them doing? Are they doing social media? Are they doing... Yeah, they're doing social media. They're doing recruiting new agents for me. They're doing transaction management. They're doing transcribing on coaching calls. They're putting together PowerPoints, all my presentations. I mean, everything. Literally, I have leaders leading departments and leading them. And I'm very, very, very lean, getting even leaner. And that's why we're able to do so many tasks in the expansion organization. But it takes a high caliber leader to also lead those kind of individuals. So I think that there's a missing gap. You can't just hire virtual assistants without having a very talented operations team. It's not going to work that way. You do need the in-person person first to do everything because somebody's got to be able to teach them how to do it then you can go to the virtual assistant world. I think that makes sense. That's one of the things that I see so often in here. It depends on your organization, right? If you're not running a massive organization, maybe you don't need an in-person person, but you have to be the leader that's going to lead. Somebody has to lead. So if it's not going to be you, you got to have somebody to do it because they don't automatically come in knowing exactly your culture and what you want to purvey in terms of your brand. And so you have to spend time talking like the things that you're talking about putting together. Somebody taught them how to put together the PowerPoint to speak the way you want it to speak and not scripted. And somebody teaches the communication and the patterns and the templates and those kind of things. And so, well, they can be trained. That doesn't mean that they're familiar with your organization. So I think that's a really important thing to think about. I do think that that gets overlooked a lot when we talk about it. And we had another person that tried to lead the virtual Mm -hmm. assistant team. And it didn't work. There was some major limiting beliefs around it. So you got to make sure you have the right leader that sees it as opportunity versus, oh, this is hard. Because you got to think if they're beside you, it's so much easier to train them. They can sit with you. They can see you talk. They can hear you talk. When they're offshore and then they're working those nights because they're usually during their night hours, it's four to five times as harder to train them your ways. So you better be really, really good at your SOPs and having a leader. What's some of the characteristics you found that make better leaders for leading virtual people? Someone who's very good at developing standard operating procedures. There's not a position in our house that somebody can't sit at their desk and they're sick for a week and their job not get done. And then someone who holds people highly accountable and knows how to 
let go and not think that they do things the best. That's patient, that's willing to make loom videos. And like, you got to be a trainer. And you know, I'm not the best trainer. I'm not good at it. I mean, I'll be honest. You need somebody that knows the details and thinks through the steps because I would probably just tell them big picture and then they got all these missing pieces. That's probably not my strengths is I'm not a good trainer. You can sit here and watch me and shadow me, but I'm not going to break it down for you. That's just not who I am. So you need to find somebody that is. Yeah, one of the things that we're adding to the drive that we're putting together too, and this is something, Kellyanne, I know you started before we had some of these things put in place and onboarding. I've learned a lot about it as we've come this far, but we're putting checklists in place for how to onboard and things to have in place before your cyberbacker starts. So if you hire virtual leverage of any sort, you do need to be thinking ahead. And there's a training period and there's an onboarding period. And you need to make sure that you have these things in place before you do it. And so steps to go through one, so that they have the material and the training they need, but also once they start so that you're walking through, like, here's our mission, here's our vision, Mm -hmm. here's our values. And you're putting aside the time on the calendar or somebody is from your team to walk through what is an employee handbook. And so a lot of our leaders haven't gotten to the point where they've built an organization as big as yours, you know, Mm -hmm. and you've got those things put in place, but not everybody does. And so we've got to help them with some samples. So we'll have some samples there to download and to start with and to start working on and customize for your own brand. I'm super excited about that as well. And if they don't want to go do all that, they can join my expansion team and I'll do it all for them. (laughs) (laughs) A little plug. That's fair. Kellyanne, tell us about your expansion team. Yes, we'll do over 500 units this year. We went backwards. It's been a tough year. We're down about 23% year over year. We're pivoting and making some changes. Actually, I think the hometown team just hit 23 pendings for this month, which is really, really good in this kind of market. We are in five cities now. I think that's right. Yeah, five cities. And we do everything from helping the teams recruit to their teams, to coaching them on their production, to we do a 90-day intensive boot camp for all the new agents that come onto the teams to get them to make sure that they have good teammates and they're givers before they're receivers. I see a lot of weaknesses where we put teammates on and we just hand them leads and we don't teach them how to lead gen. And when the markets get like it is today, it's sink or swim and they better know how to lead gen or they're going to go broke and get out and you're going to have even bigger retention issues. So those are, I think, the two things that we do differently than other expansion organizations are those two pillars. Of course, we have operations. We run people's touch programs. We run other transaction management. We run all their marketing. We do all their back-end operations, their contracts, their onboarding, all that stuff for them so that they can just go focus on building their team, selling real estate, and leading that team. And they have all the back-end support here from us to excel. The only gap that we work with them on, we just need leaders. We need people that are willing to lead because we can do it. We can onboard a team in 90 days and get you up and running and have you leads in and going and recruiting and everything and have you a funnel. We just need someone to lead that location. What's the expectation gap usually in a team that doesn't work out? What is their expectation of the expansion team usually that causes it not to work out? Usually they don't want to conform to the tools or the systems of while we're building something. So our team systems are built on you being able to do 500 or 600 units in your location. Therefore, when they come on, they're used to doing things at 50 units or 60 units. And the way we run our models is we're going to get you to 300 units. We're going to get you 500 units. 
however many units you want to do in that location, we're going to help you get to that. So our systems and models are built on that kind of volume. And so a lot of times when megas come on, they don't want to adapt to what their team needs to look like at 300 or 500 units. They want to only do what they're doing today at 60 units. And so then they have a hard time complying to, okay, you need to have this notification in this Slack channel. All the little things to make everything tick, they want to focus on now instead of what the team needs to look like. And we have to build to the future. We have to build to what a 500 unit team and we cannot operate like a 60 unit team. And so that's the biggest gap is I see that the leader doesn't want to change. And it's a lot easier to do things erratically and hair on fire than it is to sit down and be a different leader and be time blocked and manage and do things at this time because that leader does require a different set of tools and systems and leadership. And quite honestly, if they had been doing those things, they would probably be successful anyway, right? Trying to change stuff that's hard for them already. And I guess on the leads, do you just work their database? Because I could see how an ISA team would be super important as you start bringing on more people because you've got to have more leads for them. Otherwise, there's no benefit to them to give away whatever percentage they give away unless you're increasing their business, which you are through systems and tools. But on the lead generation, do you get to work their database? Because obviously they probably haven't been. We put them on a 60 touch program, everybody in their database. We are a Boomtown team. And then everybody goes through the boot camp when we onboard a team. And so they learn how to lead generate. And then we will either purchase leads in their location if they don't have enough in their database to work. Or we will use Conversion Monster ISAs on the table. I don't even have an ISA team for my hometown team of how big it is because I've taught my agents how to lead gen at such a high level. So that's something that we would add to those cities if we think necessary. But we don't want to add an ISA team to those cities. This is how our model is until we've mastered the database and we've mastered the lead gen and we've mastered the conversion. Once we've hit all those pillars, we would go back to that. But if they don't even know how to close a hot lead, we got issues. Good point. And if you had those coming in, they would just depend on those and not do the basics. Mm-hmm. Yes. I always said, like, I never want to be the leader that just sits there. And like, if stuff gets bad and I have to make budget cuts, they don't know how to eat themselves. We're going to teach them everything so that I'm a good leader to them and they know how to make it. Love that. You've shared great information, Kelly, and I know that we're going to keep seeing you grow and I know we're going to keep seeing you expand. Thanks for sharing with us and thanks for sharing with us your org charts and all of the information. I've personally gained a lot from it and I think that our listeners will as well. So we appreciate your being here with us. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. Thank you, Kelly. appreciate it. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to visit our website and download this week's piece of your leverage roadmap at leverageladies.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to and share this Leverage Ladies podcast with others. We would love to have you follow us on social media as well. Check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and be sure to follow us for ongoing tips, updates, and information. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is to leave a five-star review so that others are able to find the Leverage Ladies podcast. And again, thanks for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Leverage Ladies podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in. 
And we hope to catch you again in the next episode of the Leverage Ladies podcast. We'll see you then.